Hey everybody, you're listening to the Clearer Thinking Podcast from Grace Valley Church in Dundas. I'm your host, Paul Vandenbrink, the lead pastor of Grace Valley Church. Thanks for listening. Well, all right, everybody, we're back at it this week. You know, on uh, Sunday, I mentioned a bunch of reasons that believing in the resurrection of Jesus actually makes a lot of sense. There's good evidence that it happened, that it is an objective historical fact, and I didn't give all the reasons for that, but I did give a few. But, you know, in in all honesty, I have rarely seen that evidence cause anyone to believe in Jesus. (laughs) You know, the the arguments for the resurrection, the truth is they, they don't really work at bringing about conversion. They just don't, at least not by themselves. The reason I say that is because unless the resurrection makes an actual difference in a person's life, they won't really care whether it's true or not. They just won't Uh, because people don't really work that way. You know, we're not just brains on sticks. We're, We're practical. Human beings are pragmatic. We believe things that work for us. Now, you might be thinking, wait a minute, hold on a second here. I know a lot of people that believe things that don't work for them at all. Uh, I'll give you an example. A lot of people say they believe that they should follow their hearts or we should do what feels good or we should be true to ourselves, etc. And by doing that, they're actually messing their lives up like crazy. And I know what you're saying. I know what you're thinking. And that is totally true. Uh, We very often do believe things that aren't very good for us. But here's the thing. We think that they're good for us. That's the difference. Yeah, we believe things that aren't good for us, but the problem is is we think that those things actually are good for us, and that's why we believe them. Or how about this? Sometimes we just believe them intuitively without really thinking about them at all. It's a little bit like how uh, computers work. You know how you use all these different applications on your computer? You use the word processor or the internet app or... Adobe Acrobat Reader or whatever. Those are all applications that we see, that we open up and use. But what's what's actually running these applications? It's the operating system of the computer. And that operating system works in the background, making those apps go. Well, our beliefs often work in a very similar fashion. Uh, we have the things that we believe outright and consciously, And then we have these beliefs underneath those beliefs that we don't really think about. They're the unspoken assumptions about the world that actually shape the things we do believe. So let me just give you a quick example. Yeah, many people believe you should follow your heart. That's a conscious belief. But what lies behind that belief? What's the unspoken assumption behind it? And it's this. The universe is meaningless. There's no objective purpose to existence. Therefore, everyone must create their own meaning. And how do you do that? Well, you follow your heart. Now, few people are walking around thinking to themselves consciously, the universe is meaningless. There is no objective purpose to existence. Of course not. Um, Friedrich Nietzsche did that, and it did not go so well for him. He ended up in in an institution because of it. So I'm not suggesting that people do that. My point, though is this. 
unless you see some real practical reason to believe the resurrection, until it becomes useful to you, until you see how it makes sense of some of your underlying unconscious beliefs, you will not believe it consciously. Not because you think it's ridiculous, but frankly, just because you don't care. So I thought I'd try to show you why you should care about the resurrection. In other words, I want you to want it to be true. And if you want it to be true, you might just actually try to find out if it is. You know what I mean? So why should you want it to be true? Well, I think that the resurrection actually satisfies unique longings of the human heart in a way that nothing else does. Human beings have unique longings, longings that aren't shared by other, other living beings. And only the resurrection can satisfy those longings. Let me unpack this for you. Human beings, first of all, human beings long to escape death. Now, it's true that on some level, animals want to escape death too. They want to survive, right? Um, but that's merely instinctual for them. Human beings, we want to transcend death. If you ask most people what's the meaning of life, they'll probably answer love. The deepest desire of the human heart is to love and to be loved. We want to be with loved ones. We want love without parting. We want a love that we can always depend on, that we can never lose. That's what we want. And our greatest fear often is actually the loss of love. I mentioned on Sunday Ernest Becker, the atheist sociologist who said that what characterizes the modern world is our denial of death. And why is that? Well, we can't bear the thought of being torn from those we love. Now, it used to be that many people today would say, there's nothing after death. No afterlife, nothing. When you die, you rot. That was the typical Western secular belief. But people are changing even in the West. More and more, people are saying, look, I believe that when you die, you do continue on. Either uh, you continue on in the memories of loved ones, or you become part of the universe in some other way, but not many people would say that you continue after death as a conscious, personal individual. Regardless, death still tears us from the people that we love. It tears us from everything that matters to us. Whether we stop existing or are swallowed up by the universe, the problem is the same. You lose what matters to you most. Now, it may not be rational to desire a love that never ends, but if we're honest, we still have that desire. So why is it there? And the resurrected Jesus says, look at me. Look, you can touch me. It's me. He, he told Thomas, look, feel, my, feel the holes in my body. He told the disciples after his resurrection, hey, give me something to eat. Talk to me. It's me. It's Jesus. And here's what that means. Because of the resurrection of Jesus, your future actually is personal. You don't stop being you after you die. It's not just that something goes on after death. You go on after death. And so it makes sense of the longing. We, we think too little of ourselves, friends. We, we think we're made for earth only, but we weren't. We were made for heaven too. And the resurrection of Jesus makes sense of that longing. You know, there's another 
longing that we have that that is unique to us as human beings, and it's that we long for a better world where evil is completely defeated by good and everything is put right. Now, there's a lot I could say on this subject, but I'm going to just keep it simple. We have a deep longing for justice. There is a deep sense of justice in human beings. Again, it's not like the rest of the universe. We put moral value on all kinds of things. As kids, we learn very quickly how to say, that's not fair. Uh, We grow up to be activists, lobbying for everything from clean water to freedom of expression and the right to personal property. We don't always agree on what is just or unjust, and that's pretty obvious in our culture right now. But I've never met anyone who didn't care about justice at all. You know, we hate it when people, quote unquote, get away with it. Well, where does that come from? The animal world gives us no clue, really. You you can't look at nature and say, see, the strong should not eat the weak. Or the big shouldn't trample on the little. In fact, we see the opposite. Lord Tennyson said, nature is red in tooth and claw. And yet, the sense of justice is in us. And you might say, well... The reason is because of evolution. We evolved to care about morality because it helped us evolve. It gave us an advantage somehow. But the problem is, if our sense of morality, of right and wrong, is really just a result of evolutionary progress, well, then it's not really right and wrong, is it? It's just what works. Killing innocent people to get ahead is only wrong insofar as it hurts our evolutionary development. And who knows, maybe that'll change over time, and why not? The question isn't about justice anymore, it's just about what works best. And so your sense of justice is really just a matter of chemical neurons firing in your brain in one way or another. It's kind of an illusion, really. But the resurrection of Jesus says there actually is a fixed universal moral code. It was given to us by our Creator, And so your sense of justice is not an illusion. It is real. And the resurrection of Jesus also means this. There is life after this life. There is a world after this world. And in that life after this life, in that world after this world, everything will be put right. Your sense of justice is no accident. You were made with a longing, and that longing will finally be satisfied at the end of history. Let me mention one more longing. We all have a longing for deep, profound, never-ending, inexhaustible joy. Human beings long for joy, for contentment, for a satisfying life. There's nothing strange about that, right? Well, I don't know. I mean... If there's one thing that is painfully obvious about life, that it's, it's that it's often bitterly disappointing. I mean, think about this. First of all, life is irreversible. You can't go back in time. Time goes one way. When someone dies, they're gone. You can't get them back. As you get older, you can't get your youth back. You can't get your beauty back. They are irretrievable. And there's a terrible sadness about that. You know, the good old days, days gone by, those days are over. All you can do is wistfully remember them. 
It's almost like in a small way we experience death over and over and over in the midst of life. You know Edgar Allan Poe? He was a poet who wrote The Raven. That poem's about a man who lost his love, Lenore. And he agonizes over the loss. He thinks about how he can try to get her back. He wrestles with whether he should move on or even if he's able to. Will he ever be happy again? The Raven... Remember, this raven somehow flies into his house and it comes and it perches above his door on a bust of Pallas, who is the god of wisdom. And what does this raven say over and over and over again? It says, nevermore, nevermore, nevermore. This gets across with frightening pithiness what life seems to be about. Loss. (laughs) You lose people You lose things, you lose abilities, you lose experiences. It's very depressing. And it actually gets worse uh, because, you see, almost nobody gets the life that they want. Almost none of us do. Some of us get pretty good lives, sure. But there's always something, even in the best lives, that's just missing. Maybe you don't marry, but you always wanted to. Maybe you wanted a great marriage and yours didn't turn out that way. Maybe you had a great job, a great marriage, a great family. Everything was great. But there was always this sense of underlying discontentment, like like you missed out on something. And of course, there's a whole lot of people who have terrible lives, hard lives. They were abused. They lived in poverty. They were enslaved, maybe literally, or maybe to a substance that dominated their lives. Maybe they struggled with terrible mental illness for years and years through no fault of their own. They have what looks like a very hard and a very sad life. Now, what do you say to those people? What do you say to comfort them, to encourage them? Do you just say, tough one, life's a crapshoot and you lost out? Do you say, there, there, don't worry, it's not so bad? Or do you do like Monty Python and tell them to always look on the bright side of life? Or do you say, well, you'll die one day and you won't feel a thing? No, that's not what we do, is it? That's not how we deal with these things at all. But what do you say? The resurrection of Jesus means that you can say, listen, You long for happiness. You long for joy. You long for a satisfaction that lasts, that's perfect, that's complete. Well, guess what? It's coming. See, the resurrection of Jesus actually promises not just restoration, but the restoration of what's been lost. You don't just get your body back. You get the body you've always wanted. You don't just get your life back in the age to come. You get back the life you've always wanted. It all comes back. In other words, the resurrection of Jesus means that you never actually miss out on anything. All your heart's deepest longings will be finally and fully satisfied. No other religion, no other faith, no other philosophy, whatever, offers the world this kind of hope. None. There is no more powerful message possible. This is what the human heart longs for. You know, people spend billions of dollars consuming stories, you know, like fairy tales or science fiction stories, billions of dollars on stories with common themes, 
themes like escaping death or stepping out of time, time travel, you know, or communicating with an intelligence that's not human or a love lost that gets restored forever or evil completely defeated by good. Why do you think there's such a resurgence of comic book hero movies these days? Another one just came out recently. You know, Superman, he died saving the world in the movie Batman versus Superman. But in the newest Superman movie, guess what? He's brought back to life. We love that stuff. We want that stuff. Why? Because it's real. You know, C.S. Lewis wrote this. Creatures are not born with desires unless satisfaction for those desires exist. A baby feels hunger. Well, there is such a thing as food. A duckling wants to swim. Well, there is such a thing as water. Men feel sexual desire. Well, there is such a thing as sex. And if I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. If none of my earthly pleasures satisfy it, that does not prove that the universe is a fraud. Probably, earthly pleasures were never meant to satisfy it, but only to arouse it, to suggest the real thing. That's Lewis. Don't you want that? Why wouldn't you want that? If you find you want that, go look for it. It is there. It is available in the resurrection of Jesus. Well, guys, that's it for another episode of the Clearer Thinking Podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope it's thought-provoking. I hope you share it with people who might benefit from it. And I hope this pandemic is over soon so that we are once again able to meet together in person to worship. 15% what we have right now, it's better than nothing. But man, oh man, we do long for the day when this is over. And the resurrection of Jesus promises that, yes, one day it will be over. So hang in there, gang. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. <laughs>